Father, we thank you, Father, for this evening. Yes, Lord, we have, you've heard our worship this evening. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would have our way, have your way in our lives. Your way. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. You said, Father, that your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. Lord, teach us your ways, therefore. We pray along with Moses. As he said, Lord, if we have found favor in your sight, we humble ourselves before thee so that we can receive your grace, that we could see your way, that your path, the ancient paths that you have already designed for every one of us to walk, walk in. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would show us your ways, teach us your paths, and give us the willingness and the grace to obey, and not just to hear your word. Come at this time into your hands. Therefore, we pray, Lord, that you would anoint each one of us, even as I speak, and even as all of us here, anoint us so that we can hear your ways, hear your word, and learn from you, and learn your ways, and walk in them. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message is kind of a corollary, if you will, from the last Sunday's message. And I'm sure many of us are still reeling under the impact of what we have heard on Sunday. Well, you know, when, uh, if uh, God in his wisdom has allowed that, uh, allowed the message to be preached after eight years in Grace Tabernacle for me, uh, had it been in 2008, I would have possibly looked at my wife and would have said, see what Pastor James said. But after almost nine years of marriage, now I've become a little more wiser, uh, sorry, rather, I would say less more, less foolish. I wouldn't, wouldn't say those words and you would, you would, and you, it really, it, 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 after the message was over and I never even spoke a single word to my wife about the message. God is my witness. We just looked at each other, that's all. So there was a lot of wireless communication that was going on. <laughs> but one of the things that I've learned though, is when we come to church, one of the things that we can easily, easily miss the point, is that when we come to church, the message is not for any gender, it is for all of us. And that is also one of the wisdom that I acquired over, over the seven years. It's not for one particular person. It's, 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 it's for all of us. And, and we could, the way we respond to the word of God is so very important. Um, I mean, if you look at the title on the internet, I've, I've only heard the title on Sunday evening. The title is Woman Thou Art Loosed. That's the title of the message, by the way. So, uh, so that's, I just want, because I, the, the, the corollary, it's a corollary, right? From last, last Sunday's message. So I decided to title my message or loosed or lose. What I'm, what I mean by that is, if you thought it was only for the woman, the women are loosed and you are loose. And that is the reason why Jesus said in Mark's gospel chapter 4 verse 24, he said, be careful as to how you hear the word. 
Be careful as to how you hear the word. In Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 18, if I'm, I think I'm just possibly interchanging those two places. It says, be careful as to what you hear and how you hear. Both. You know, in, the, in, in Hindi it's even more beautiful. Chaukas raho. Kaise sunte ho? Chaukas raho. Kya sunte ho? Chaukas means literally, chaukidari karo. God as to how you hear the word. God as to what you hear. Otherwise, many people will be loosed <laughs> and we will just remain the same and we will be deceived into thinking that you know, we have been delivered when we are not. So just to put that, put this message in context from the title of last Sunday's message, I just was looking at this passage from Luke's Gospel chapter 13 where this is mentioned. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues, and this is Luke's Gospel chapter 13 verse 10 to 17. He was teaching, uh, and he was teaching uh, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of the, of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could not, could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. You know, when I was growing up, I had a friend in my class. His name was Savio Bent. And that the... And the, and the, and the, and the common joke the maths teacher used to say, Savio bent, I will make you straight. <laughs> Savio bent. And, and the fact of the matter is, we are all bent in some area or the other. Bent essentially meaning our ways are crooked. We are all crooked in our ways, you know. No, and therefore it's very, very important that you see these two things over here. You see this, this always teaching. Okay, this was teaching. And then if you understand the teaching and really apply the teaching into your own life, there is losing from your infirmity. There's deliverance. There's a direct correlation between the two, between teaching and deliverance. Understand what I'm saying? So the first, first point that I want to make, or rather this, this message is essentially what I learned from, from Sunday. Okay, so it's just the convictions of my own heart, what God has worked in my heart, and this is exactly what I'm sharing with you. So it's got, Nothing to do with any one of you. It's my own personal conviction. So, teaching and deliverance are related. Absolutely. You cannot, you cannot have deliverance without teaching. See, what happens though in many places is that you have deliverance without teaching. And what happens? The state of that person is worse than the before because one demon is out, seven demons are in. Because you've driven out one demon, you've driven out one lie. And you have not filled yourself with the word of God, with the teaching of the word of God. And therefore what has happened, one demon has gone out and boy, it's nice and clean and swept nice. So he says, boy, I want to go back to my house. <laughs> and he comes back to the house and the final state is worse than before. And the best way therefore to get delivered is to literally take the word of God and push out the lies from your heart. Imagine that, you know, if you have a stack of lies in your heart, if you think about a stack, okay, and you want to just push them out systematically, just take a bunch of books and then push those lies out from your heart. And that's exactly what teaching does, you see. So how do you do it? You hear the teaching, accept it, and then there is deliverance. 
And therefore, Paul, st- Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16, he says, keep a, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Do you see that? Very, very important. Keep a close watch on yourself and on teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both who? Yourself first. And then those who? Hear you. This is very important for us. Be very careful what you hear, how you hear, what kind of teaching you're, you're subscribing to. And I'm telling you, boy, in Christendom, the shallowness of teaching. Unbelievable. Where people come to hear a good message and not a change. In Christendom. Boy, that was a good message, brother. (laughs) Very nice message. Very, very good word. What has that done to you, though? Has it changed? Has it delivered you? So therefore, it's very, very important for us to keep a close watch on ourselves first and on our teaching. Persist. Very important. Persisting. Persisting. I'll tell you the difference between an overcomer, an overcomer, and a loser, the one who doesn't overcome, is persistence. And Ray Comfort makes this beautiful statement. He says, think about it, no? I, he says, I'm an evangelist. And therefore, I have a lot of people uh, whom I evangelize. And I have a lot of fruit in my ministry. And, they, and you come and tell me, boy, you have a gift. And I'll look at you and laugh. You know why I laugh? Think, he says, think about this. Think about this. A guy who is running a 20-kilometer marathon. Alright, 20 kilometer marathon or 25 kilometer, whatever it, whatever it is, a 25 kilometer marathon in the Olympics. And then after the end of the race, several people drop down. Some people even collapse during the race because it's, it's a test of endurance. And one guy comes to the finish line and he ends, his, he gets the first place. And then you go to him and say, hey boy, you're gifted. He'll look at you and laugh. You know what he'll say? What do you, what do you mean gifted? Do you see these calf muscles of mine? Do you see them? Do you think that I've got them just overnight because I had a gift? Do you see this abdomen of mine? Do you see the structure of mine? Do you think I've got them overnight because I had a gift? You're a, you're, you're a foolish man. <laughs> I've worked for it. I've worked for it. I persisted consistently over a period of time and this is exactly what I got. And what you see is a result of intense amounts of training and not just a gift. One of the things I have seen that many people fall away because they don't learn to persist. Learn to persist. And and if you're intelligent, you know one of the things that intelligent people are, at the same time they are lazy. Or because they get things done very easily. But they don't learn ethics of work. They don't persist. And that's possibly the difference between a genius and a guy who's just mediocre. A genius is a guy who's 99% persistence. You see? Persist! My dear brothers and sisters, persist. It's not a gift. That is the reason why Paul will tell Timothy, study yourself, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Persistence. Persistence is very important. 
So, secondly, it's uh, same Paul in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 30, he says, be careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my uh, departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So, warning to all of us, persistence is the key. And therefore, there's a, there's a, there's a direct correlation between teaching and deliverance. Teaching and deliverance is absolutely, and I believe that's the best way to get delivered is to succumb to teaching, which we'll talk about today in more detail. There's a very interesting example in uh, the book of Acts where Paul is preaching in Lystra. This is one guy. Look at what he says. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could know why, who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Look at what it says, the order. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith. You see, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You had received the word of God. Faith has increased. And then he said, he had faith to be made well. He said in a loud voice, stand up upright on your feet, and he sprang up and began walking. You see that? First you listen to the word, let faith arise in your heart, and then what happens? Deliverance takes place. And you know what? You don't have to obey the entire commandments. You just have to obey one. And everything else will make sense. What did I say? You just have to obey one command. Every other command will make sense. What are you talking about, Vijay? See, I'm just taking that. It's not a. It's not a converse of James when he says, "You know what? If you disobey one law, you're broken the whole law." But it is related to it in one sense. You know what it says in um, John's Gospel, chapter seven. This is a really, really powerful verse. It's seven one seven rule. Okay, there is 4 to 4, that is Mark 4 to 4, Luke 8, 1, 8, 18, Luke 8, 1, 8, and John 7, 1, 7. Okay, this is three, three verses go together. This is very interesting. This is Jesus' sayings in John's Gospel chapter 7, verse 16 and 17. This is what he says. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do what? God's will. He will know. Whether the teaching is from God or from man. You know what Pastor Sundakrishnan gives us? Very, very interesting example. This is a girl who comes to his church. Uh, she's a, she's, she doesn't believe. She has got a lot of questions. A lot of questions about Christianity. So she hears this message consistently over a period of time. And she comes to him and he says, and she says, you know what? I've got so many questions. I still cannot experience God. You know what? Siddha Krishna gives gives her a very good interesting suggestion. He says, you you do one thing. This time, you read the Gospels, right? Read through the Gospels and read a few epistles. You heard my teaching. Just obey one commandment that Jesus taught you. Just obey one. And see what will happen. 
so the next day she says okay let me try it out okay so the next day she's she's gone to the library and she's uh, standing in the line to you know, take the books from the librarian even as she's standing in the line there's one girl who just comes by her shoots past the line and then goes ahead and she said if it were my previous person i would have said madam stop come back so immediately she said okay fine i heard sundar's teaching consider others more important than you so let me just obey she said you know what the moment i obeyed that one commandment everything else jesus taught made sense i said boy see you know why this is important this is not this word no in the greek actually means the experiential knowledge of truth this is not just head knowledge in telugu it's beautiful it's very very beautiful in telugu it's satyamanu gurchina anubhava gnanamu what does it mean the experiential knowledge of truth that you learn the truth and you apply it in your own lives and because the truth is related to a person you understand the things about the person that's a remarkable thing i think it's the word agenokos Ajinokos is used 223 times in the Greek New Testament and every time it is used every time it is used it's used in the context of experiential knowledge got it and therefore this there was a set of people who never experienced god you see in hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 to 2 let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest and of you should seem to if any of you should seem to come short of it for unto us was the gospel preached you see that word preached as well as unto them this is talking about the israelites but the word that was preached did not profit why because it was not mixed with faith see they heard the teaching but it did not produce faith in them and therefore you see that if you look at the life of israelites 40 years of rebellion not even a single day that they said god sorry and therefore brothers and sisters there's a incredible relationship between teaching and being loosed from our infirmity okay see you need to understand when i heard last sunday's message i was like why god's teaching is so radical isn't it absolutely contradictory to god's to the to the standards and patterns of this world absolutely what we think that this should be the way the things should work in the world it's completely to the opposite in the, in in god's kingdom and and one of the things that was so powerful so powerful that the commands are always given to the weaker person and if you want to reign with god you should be proven as a weaker person to obey everything that god has commanded you and jesus literally personified that lifestyle he see you see when he was dying when he was at the garden of gethsemane he was he was praying and he says lord not my will but yours be done but let this cup pass from me but not by will yours be done you know what he could have prayed he said he could have said god this is unfair this is unfair you are allowing me who has never sinned in thought in action indeed has never said one thing and have always loved and given to people you are saying lord that you should allow me to be killed by these unjust people lord this is not this is not right this is not fair this is not fair you know what he would have been absolutely just in saying that nobody could have argued with him 
But you know what he did? Not my will. But yours be done. So this is a very interesting thing. God, Jesus himself was a disciple. Morning by morning, he wakens me to hear so that I can give my back to those who harm me. Can you imagine that? That is how he says in Isaiah 50, I heard from God. Morning by morning, I learned from him. I was discipled by him so that one day I could give my back to those people who harm me. Powerful. So this morning, this evening, just, just keep that in your mind. God is not, you know, you need to understand, God is not a God who frowns at us. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that point. Look at the uh, same passage, Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. Once he's loosed, the ruler of the synagogue, the loose, answered with indignation because that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Look at that. This is religious people all over the place. And said unto the people, there are six days in the, in which the men have to work. In them you come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered, you hypocrite. You loose fellow. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath day lose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him for watering? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, boy, look at the perspective from heaven. Whom Satan has bound. Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on, on Sabbath day. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done in him. You see that? It's always opposition. First thing that I learned, therefore, teaching and deliverance are connected. Second thing that I learned. His teaching is Read everybody. Teaching is hard, but God is not. See, he said that unless you drink my flesh and eat my blood, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven and you cannot be my disciple. And everybody said, this is too hard. This is too hard. Who can obey this teaching? But you see, that is the reason why when we sin, we think that God is going to spank us. He's going to He's, he's going to do everything against us. But you know how God looks at it? He says in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, you know what he says? All have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory that comes from God. That is how he looks at it. But we look at it and say, Lord, you're a hard man. Hard. Now, this is how Aaron was taught to bless the people of Israel. Now, think about it, no? How, what you think God to be, will exactly be the person you are. Because you you will become like the idol you worship. That's what Psalms will say. And if there are so many people who are hard in the kingdom of God, that means they have a hard God. That's exactly what whom they worship. And I was like one, one of them. You know, I'm, don't think that I'm teaching because I've, uh, I've arrived. No, 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 no. That is exactly what I used to think. Spank, 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 spank. But God, God is hard, yes, but He is our Father. You see, look at, look at how He, how He asks Aaron to bless the children of Israel. This is gospel. This is Numbers, not Gospels. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to Aaron. One thing you'll learn. Aaron could not be directly spoken to. 
Aaron could not be directly spoken to. So the Lord said, that fellow cannot hear. You tell him. Exactly. See, the high priest is exactly the representation of the people. What did the people say? Oh, we heard Ten Commandments. That is enough. We don't want to hear this God. You know what they say? We learned that man can hear from God and live. But the very next verse they say, we don't want to hear from God and die. We learned that man can hear from God and live, but the very next word, we don't want to hear from God and die. So, Moses, you go and speak to us. That is high priest, Aaron for you. So speak and <laughs> speak to the Aaron and his son saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel, you shall say to them. Look at it, look at this, this is, this is before the children of Israel in, God, in Numbers chapter 14, rebelled against God. No, this is even before that. This is how God looks at, at Israel. Even before Balaam could curse Israel. This is how God looks at them. Look at what he says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's exactly how we end every service with a benediction. May the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit because the mind of the Spirit is peace. Romans chapter 8 verse 6. Mind of the Spirit is peace. Let the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest upon you. Rest upon you. Even though the word is hard, I am a father. <laughs> I, I, it's Zephaniah 3.14. He says, I'll rejoice you over, over you with singing. Can you imagine this, a girl, a, a, a woman who had, who had a, who had a baby after 15 years. Think about it. 15 years, like Hannah. She had a baby after so many years of praying and praying and praying. And one day she looked at Samuel. What, what would have been her reaction? Oh boy, what a baby. What a baby. Like, you know, she looks at Nathaniel. Oh, Anna. <laughs> it's amazing. That's exactly how he's rejoicing over the baby. And it's exactly how God says, you are engraved in the palm of my hands. You are the, like the apple of my eye. You see? And therefore even Jesus will tell his disciples, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. How much do I love you? Just like the father loved me, I love you. You know, even the father loves you. How much does the father love you? As much as he has loved me, he loves you. And still they will doubt. Do you love me, Lord? He's amazing, right? John's Gospel, chapter 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 19. For themselves, I sanctified myself so that through me, they can be made, they can be sanctified. He loves us so much. You know, most of us are not, we don't understand God like that. We don't understand God like that. We all try to perform. God, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this, Lord? God says, Baba, you are accepted in the beloved. But there's a difference, of course, between getting accepted and earning God's trust. But I'm not going, go, I'm not going there though. But I'm saying one thing though. God loves us. So is God, a, God is not a hard God. Just look at one, one of the servants. This is one of the wicked servant. Jesus comes and he gives everybody how many pounds? He calls 10 servants and gives them 10 pounds. So do the math. 10 servants, 10 pounds. How many per servant? 
अरे कमन बो वन पर सर्वेंट थैंक यू ओके वेरी सिंपल सी वी आर लर्निंग एरिथमेटिक ओके Luke's Gospel chapter 19 verse 20 to 22. Then another servant came. This is the third fellow. Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it, laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in, but I put in already one pound, right? See, that's exactly what people don't realize. They don't see what they have. It's remarkable. I see that even in Christendom, I mean, and brothers complaining over and complaining and complaining over things that they do not possess. See, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, "I will judge you." See, you said I was a hard man, right? You made an idol out of your own imaginations. That's exactly how I'm going to deal with you now. and he calls him you know what a wicked servant you knew did you knew did you that i'm a hard man taking out what i did not put in and reaping what i did not sow why then should you not put put in my money on deposit fixed deposit so that when i come back i could have had collected with interest see so hard man do you think god is hard this is new covenant do you know what david has to say in psalm 103 about god this is a guy in the old covenant this is what he says according about god psalm 103 verses 10 to 13 he has not dealt with us after our sins brothers no nor rewarded us according to our iniquities and he tells in another psalm he says lord if you would mark iniquities who can stand before you but there is mercy so that you may be feared for heaven is your So, or as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is your mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. How? Like a what? Father. Pity His children. Therefore, you know what? One of the things I learned last Sunday that His teaching is hard, but He is not. And you know what He says? You obey My teaching, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll experience Me at a different level altogether. another guy who said 413 cain said to the lord my punishment iniquity is greater than what i can bear you are a hard god god is hard that's what he said his teaching is hard but he's not therefore he says or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that god's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance but because of your heart an impenitent heart you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when god's righteous judgment will be revealed he is god he is a god who is not hard therefore he says as a father chastens his children so i chasten you why because i want you to be partakers of my righteousness and my holiness i'm a father third lesson which i learned god is not partial what does it mean we'll elaborate this a little more This is one of the things that I learned in my life and my own principle okay this is something which which spoke to my heart my principle my conviction uh, words that liberated me from a lot of trouble I'll tell you what it liberated me from Genesis chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 This is God telling Cain Why are you angry why is your face fallen 
if you do well, will you not be? You know, it's a, it's a very, it's a rhetorical question. So let us try the answer for the question. You tell me. If I do well, I will be? Let's say, let's say that again, everybody. Okay. If I do well, I will be? If I do well, I will be? You know what it means? You know how much this this verse has saved me from thoughts of envy, thoughts of jealousy and the spirit of competition. And it continues to save me from envy, from jealousy and from a spirit of competition. Vijay, you are looking at me and saying, Vijay, you have envy, jealousy, spirit of competition. If I say no, then I'm lying. You know what I'm saying? My flesh is better than your flesh. In my flesh, nothing good is there. I have learned this in my life. And every time I have a thought of envy, you know what I say? Lord, if I do well, I will be accepted. It liber- Immediately it will liberate me from a spirit of anxiety, spirit of envy, spirit of jealousy, spirit of sense of competition. You know why? That is exactly how we have been taught right from the beginning. Compete, 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 compete. You cannot get more marks than the fellow. Compete, 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 compete. My mother was very tough, no, those days. She, she, she used to, uh, she used to say, I mean, I'm, you memorize this, I'm, I'm gonna ask you. She was so tough, she asked me to do everything verbatim. So even if I would have paraphrased anything, she would chuck it on my face and say, go and come back again. So that is how I learned everything. Verbatim. And I was so angry at the end of my 10th class exam. I'll tell you why. Because I by-hearted the entire social studies textbook. And how much did I get? 67. And you know what? That has become my biggest stumbling block for me. Those fellows would have seen my answers. Or they would copy it. I'm not kidding. You can ask my mother. Science textbook by heart. Social studies textbook by heart. What about him? That is how I learned. There's a sense of competition. That's exactly how it is in this world. Compete, compete, compete. You know what? God says, take it easy, brother. You're not competing with anybody else. If you do well, you will be accepted. But I thank God for that also. No, it helped me a lot in memorizing, memorizing scripture. Later on in my life, verbatim. And that's exactly how, I, how I'm with my children also. My wife asked them to teach one lesson. They're gone. Finished. You should know this. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. Until you get it. Boy. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. One thing though. No. If you do well, you will be accepted. And another thing. Another liberating verse that comes to my mind all the time. You know, whenever you have a sense of competition, you should remember John the Baptist. Whom should you remember? John the Everybody say, whenever I have a sense of competition, I will remember John the Baptist. Competition, I will remember John. So what happened? Everybody, they had an issue with baptizing. And everybody came to John the Baptist. Rabbi, hurry. Rabbi, Rabbi, you know that, that, that person, Jesus, the Johnny come lately? Everybody is running to him. More people are getting baptized. You know what John said? You know what? I've killed the sense of competition in my heart. A man should receive nothing except it be given from, by his father from heaven. Nothing. In other words, if you receive something which is not God's will in your life, it will destroy you. 
void liberated me liberation of the millennium see that you shall know the truth and truth will set you free especially in the ten, in this competitive generation everybody is envious and jealous they want to they don't care about ethics they want the promotion and even if you deserve the promotion they will not give you the promotion just because they are envious of you you know you read the entire gospels you know what happens the religious class you know pilot understands they want to put jesus to death because of what envy you stop you think that you'll stop there you read the entire book of the acts of apostles every time the jewish people they wanted to kill apostle paul you know why they wanted to kill him because of envy the mark of religious spirit is envy and a sense of competition so you want liberation from a sense of competition nice verse right liberation from a sense of competition i like rhymes so how what do you say liberation from a sense of competition is possible because if i do well i will be accepted but look at what he says does he stop there no 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 he doesn't stop there and if you do not do well sin is crouching at the door what is crouching at the door its desire is for you but you should rule over it notice notice the prepositions brother okay i learned a little bit of english okay preposition or not prepositions or pronouns not not prepositions pronouns its it got it it's a pronoun every other translation we use that including the nkjv but there's another translation we call the holier than thou translation that's what we call this a kjv translation look at what he says this is interesting this is interesting it's only rendered in kjv this way look at what he says why are the wrath and why is your countenance fallen if you do well thou shall not be accepted. i mean will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin lieth at the door this is lieth stinketh etc okay and unto thee shall be his oh desire and thou shall rule over him look at this. all other translations were its desire rule over it okay the holier than thou translation will say his desire rule over him it's interesting very very interesting the word his desire comes from the greek word sorry hebrew word teshuka how many times it is used it's used only three times in the entire old testament three times three times in the entire old testament and once this time two other times genesis chapter 3 verse 16 one of the 316s you can remember not just john 316 genesis 316 look at what it says in genesis 316 unto the woman it said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in thy conception in sorrow thou shall bring forth children and thy desire you see that teshuka again that, that that's word that's a word to be, will be the, to thy husband and he shall rule over you song of songs 710 i am my beloved's and his desire same word so what does it mean sin is just not an it it's a person 
Therefore, Jesus will ask, I mean, tell, teach his disciples, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Exactly. Because evil has a face. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is the most important thing for us to understand. You know why? Jesus said, when I come into the world, when the Holy Spirit comes into the world, he will convict the world of what? Of sin. Why? Why? Why sin? Why sin? Why sin? Why sin? Of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when he talks about judgment, he says, of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. And every time you see, you see sin, there is a person lurking behind that sin. It is not, no longer just an it, it is a person. It is a person. Deliver me from the evil one. So why do we need to have this teaching though? Why do we need to have this teaching? The next lesson I learned, obedience to his teaching makes me overcome sin. And therefore, the devil. What did Jesus say? In Gospel according to John chapter 14 verse 30, he says, the prince of this world has come, nothing, nothing in me. Teaching of the word of God. Romans chapter 6 verses 17 to 19. This is what he says. Uh, Paul will tell the, the church at Rome. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to that standard of teaching. And you know, it's very interesting when you read your Bible in your local language. I'm starting to read my Bible in the foreign language. My own mother tongue, by the way, it's called Telugu. You know what it says in Telugu? The standard of teaching, the word in Telugu is Upadesa Kramamu. So for people who do not understand English, sorry, sorry, English, no, no, that's, sorry, Telugu, let our subtitles are like this. Upadesamu means teaching. Kramamu means order. Upadesa Kramamu, an order or pattern of teaching. And you know what Paul is telling the saints in Rome? He says, you have become obedient from that heart to that order of teaching that has been submitted to you so that you can be kept from what? You were once slave of sin, so that you can be set free from. You see, do you want to overcome sin? It is not going to happen overnight. You know what Paul, uh, Moses tells in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, he says, you have the Hevites, you have the Gergeshites, you have the Perizzites and the Ites and this Ites and that Ites. Seven nations more stronger than you first. I am going to drive out these nations. How? Little by little by little by little so that the wild beasts will not take over. So you need to understand, this is a persistent walk and he says, you have to consistently come and, and surrender yourself and submit yourself to that standard of teaching. Why? Look at what he says. You have set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slave to impurity and to, you know what the word in Telugu is? Upadesa Kramamu. 
lawlessness is akramamu what does akramamu means that is which that which is anti order anti pattern and that is the reason why we have a nice transcript in telugu called papamu atikramamu aparadhamu what is atikramamu or akramamu is essentially a pattern which is against the pattern of teaching of god and that is the reason why you look at on sunday one of the things you'll see what is the pattern thou shall leave your father and mother cleave to your wife and become one that is upadesakramamu what is atikramamu first become one then don't stay with each other forget about father and mother you see and then we'll have all these jokes on marriage therefore jesus says marriage is honorable on all in all among all marriages the most honorable but homemongers and adulterers i will judge you know why because they have gone against my pattern see this is very important for us to understand my brothers and sisters there is a pattern of teaching that is being established systematically systematically and many people are not persistent in succumbing to teaching He said, "This is too much for me. Stop." So, why did God even write all these epistles? You know why He wrote all these epistles? One John chapter two verse one. Everybody read it. My little, everybody read it. Huh? Ah, I am writing to you so that you will not. Why are we teaching you so that you will not? Why have we spent so many times and hours and hours and hours and hours of teaching so that you will not? <laughs> you see that the whole objective of teaching is not to cause you to sin. But if you sin, a lot of people are like that, and therefore they remain as what little children. They will sin. Jesus, forgive me. Next day they will go sin. Jesus, forgive me. sin forgive sin forgive sin forgive forever and ever and ever even in eternity they'll f- i don't know what will happen first sin or forgiveness i don't know see look at what he says in 1 john chapter 2 same thing was so we all like the second part no the second part is if you sin we have an advocate god says baba four point is that you will not sin <laughs> you not sin Look at what he says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 12 to 14. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. That's really right, little children. Sins are forgiven. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have known him from who's from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. But how? But how? Verse 14. I write to you, young men, because you are how? What? Strong and the word of god the teaching abides in you and therefore you have overcome the evil one see the whole idea is that what what do we come to church for we learn the pattern and let's say lord i'm going to establish these patterns in my heart so that when temptation comes i have the capacity to say no because there's there been patterns that have been established in my heart you know what i will not even see initially i might be liking those sins 
And therefore I might be falling into temptation. But over a period of time, I will have your mind. I will hate iniquity and I will love righteousness. And therefore you will anoint me with the oil of gladness. Did you understand? Next verse. Look at, this is an old covenant believer. His name is David. Psalms 19 verses 7 to 11. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even from much fine gold, sweeter also than honeycomb, honey drippings. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, he is great. Reward all these appreciations. So, so that, so that, so that. Next verse. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me so that then I will be innocent of great transgression. I am learning all this so that I can be kept from sin. Look at this. You know, look at this guy. Another rhetorical question. Who can discern his errors? Answer. No one can discern their errors except like this simple, no? Think about it. No, I'm preaching. How much of my preaching is exalting of self? I don't know. I don't know. How much of this is to gain the approval of men? I don't know. How much of it there are hidden agendas. I don't know. And therefore David says, Baba, Jesus, please cleanse me from those hidden faults, which are even hidden from my own eyes. And then he says, presumptuous sins, the dangerous ones. It's like, catch my shirt and pull me back when I'm going to sin. Let them not have what? What? You know what? He's praying what? Paul said in Romans chapter 6 verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over your life. A guy who's under the law, Hmm. His teaching is so that we'll overcome sin. Last, second, next teaching. Next thing that I learned. His teaching is for all. Irrespective of gender. Precisely. Thank you. Because the last time you say woman thou art loosed, who's the woman over there? We look at our wife. No, 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 no. If I am under the teaching, I will not look at my wife. I will look at Myself. You know why? Because spiritually speaking, I am also a woman. You have doubts? You have doubts? Okay, let's let 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 man be a liar, let God be true. So second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses one to three. I wish you bear with me a little little foolishness. Please bear with me, even now even as I'm speaking. Please do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you. Who's that? The Corinthian church. To one husband. To present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid. That a serpent deceived Eve. So who's Eve over here? Accordingly. I mean spiritually speaking. You and I. See you need to understand God's teaching is for all. You know one of the things that. Paul, whenever he goes to different, different places, he uses the local context. He says, you know what? Our own kavis have used this. Our own poets have said, what did he say? 
Our own poet said, we are all God's children. We are all his offspring. And he uses the same connotation in Ephesians chapter 3, what pastor was preaching on Sunday. He said, all of us get our name from the father. You know what he says in, in, the, in, the, in the Telugu, it's very interesting. Mana kaviswarlo, me kaviswarlo, Your own kavis have said this. You know, one of the, another foreign language I was forced to learn in my, when I'm, in my growing up days. One is Telugu. And the other is Sanskrit. And that also because my mother, she looked at my 10th class exam, marks. Those days there were only two colleges in, in the Twin Cities. One is LFJC, the other is Loyal Academy. Okay. So if your marks are very low, your merit list is very low, you will not get Sanskrit. Not because Sanskrit is easy. Sanskrit is scoring. Because unlike any other language, you can learn the shlokas in Sanskrit and write the Taraparyam and Saramsh in English. So my mother said, and he's going to fail. Somehow by God's grace and my mother's prayers, I finally ended up learning Sanskrit. But of all the shlokas that I learned, there was only one shloka I remembered. Thousands and thousands of shlokas, not thousands, hundreds, not thousands, hundreds shlokas. Hundreds shlokas in one year. I had to buy heart, okay? I forgot most of them. In fact, all of them, except one. Except one shloka, also because of All India Radio and my mother. Nowadays, we don't have All India Radio. We have Radio Mirchi 95.4 FM. Chala hot. But this is no longer, those days it was All India Radio. You know, and my mother was having this incredible discipline of listening to the news and RRK Murthy and Sanskritam. And there used to be one Sanskrit patham which used to come every time on All India Radio. How many of you remember that? All timers, you see, I've already become old. I've gone to the next generation now. And that is called the Keyurani Shlokam. Keyurani Shlokam. That is one Shlokam which I learnt because I was hearing the radio and not because I learned Sanskrit. I learnt it when I was hearing the radio and I went to the Sanskrit class and I, oh, this is what All India Radio used to pray. And that is the only Shlokam which remained in my life and I'll tell you what that Shlokam is. You know what it says? Very interesting. Keyurani na vibhushayanti purusham. Tan, 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 tan. That is how the, the music is to go. Keyurani na vibhushayanti purusham. Harana chandrojvalaha. Na snanam, na vilopanam, na kusumam. Nalankruta murdajaha. Vanyeka samalankaroti purusham. Ya samskruta dharyate. Kshiyante kalabhushanani satatam. Vagbhushanam bhushanam. This is a Sanskrit poem. Not because of uh, my class, because of All India Radio and my mother. And I went to the class. And my teacher was explaining the meaning. And suddenly my antennas rose up and I started learning the meaning of that. It's remarkable that this ancient poet is going to describe what is a true man. He's, he's not going to describe a woman. He's going to describe a man. You know what he says? Keyurani navibhushayanti purusham. Keyurani. What is Keyurani? The ornaments to your biceps. Don't decorate a man. 
Haran a Chandrojwalaha, meaning even a necklace which is having the brightness of a crescent moon. This is because those days they used to bear a lot of hara. Nasnanam, not taking bath. Navilophanam, ointment and scent. Nakusumam, powders, turmeric. Nalankruta murdajahar, turmeric or even flowers. Kusumam is also flowers. Nalankruta murdajaha, murdajaha is your hair. You see that? Okay. Nasnanam, navilophanam, nakusumam, nalankruta. Don't decorate your hair. Vani. What is Vani? Speech. Vanyeka. It is only the speech Samalankaroti Purusham decides the character of a man. Ya Samskruta Dharyate and that speech depends upon the culture that he puts on. Ya Samskruta Dharyate Dharyancharam Dharyate. Okay. Kshiyante Kalabhushanani. That means every other ornament will decay. Every other ornament. Look at the inside of this guy. Vak Bhushanam. Bhushanam. Your speech, your conversation, that is the real ornament. That is what a great Brahmin, Sanskrit poet said. And our fisherman will say something else. Similarly, on those same lines. This is First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. You see the connection? Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if they do not obey, they also, without words, be won by your conversation. What is that? Conversation. This is behavior. But most behavior is determined by your conversation. I mean, the conversation is essentially old English, which essentially tells the behavior, but primarily it is your conversation. Your speech. Because you have said, what goes into a man does not decorate a man. <laughs> what <laughs> comes out a man decorates a man. What he says while they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning is not adorning of the murdaja hair, nor wearing of ornaments, nor putting on of apparel. Do you see that? You should listen to some of our old poets you should listen to the insight they have on the human psyche. The insight and the depth of insight they were thinkers, our own poets. You know what he says? But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the what? Ornament of a meek and gentle spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Is this only for women? I am telling you, this is for me. This is for me. This is for me. God looks at me whether I'm meek and lowly in spirit and looks at me and says, Vijay, Baba, you're not. You're not. This is not for just the context maybe for you, for women, but it's for me. Because Jesus said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And Moses was the what? The meekest man. In the sight of God, it's a great, great, great ornament. Boy, you know what? Speech, speech. When the fire came on the day of Pentecost, you know what was fired up first? The speech was fired up. It was a speech. It's a speech, my dear brothers and sisters. It defines you. It defines you. What comes out of you? 
when you are especially going through trial and tribulation and t- circumstances and temptations. Who set the pattern? First Peter chapter 2 verse 22. He committed no sin, no deceit, was found in his mouth. This is Jesus. So what, what kind of a bride would he want? Revelation chapter 14 verse 4 to 5. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. These are, these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. And what? In their mouth was found what? No guy. Exactly like the bridegroom. You know, when I heard the message, I really, 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 honestly, I started applying it to my own heart first. I never looked at my wife. God is my witness. She's also witness. I didn't look at my wife. I said, look at myself. I said, Lord, Lord, this is powerful, Lord. This is radical. This is completely contradictory to what the world will say. This is completely opposite. The world will say, fight for your rights. God will say, don't rebel authority. Because I've placed them over you. They are God's messengers on my behalf. And your testimony will be defined as to how you respond. You see that? How, how much in the last days we have completely, we are not loosed. We are loose actually, literally. Because our mind is completely warped. Therefore he says, you know what? He says in First Timothy, First Corinthians chapter 2, he says, let this mind, the carnal mind is an enmity with God. The carnal mind is an enemy. It cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. Who can understand the mind of Christ? But we have, he says, the mind of Christ. We have. Let it made by man manifest in your lives. We have the mind of Christ, saints. And in the last days, I'm telling you, honestly, I feel, I feel mostly our decisions in our life, if they are not backed up by the word of God that we hear, it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. If it is not backed up by the teaching that we hear, it is not determined by what we have understood and we have obeyed, it is, the convictions are not formed based upon God's teaching. God's, God's pattern. You will not finish the race. You will give up at one point and say, this is too much. This is too hard a teaching. Who can bear it? But you need to understand one thing. God is not hard. His teaching may be. He is hard because that defines his personality, his character. His character is what? The character is, he is absolutely righteous, he is absolutely holy, he is absolutely merciful and they are all not mutually exclusive, they are all together. He is merciful, he is also just, he is holy, he is also loving. At the same time. And therefore he says, be holy as I am holy. But he's a father. His father, he wants all of us to be overcomers. Not just one or two. All of us. And I want to finish as an overcomer. And I say, Lord, I don't know. So many times I don't understand. But I you know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to submit. I want to submit. I, so many times I don't understand. I say, this is too much, Lord. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You know, there's a, always... I don't want to do this, Lord. I don't, want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. There is a fight. I will be honest with you. There were so many times I fought with the Lord. I said, no, Lord. No, not this. But the moment I started surrendering, I made sense of what the heart of God is. 
Amen. This last days will be defined by a set of people who will say, Lord, it doesn't matter. I don't have to understand everything that you say. But I know who said it. It is you. It is you. Shall we pray this evening? Father, you love us. You love us, Lord. You are not a hard taskmaster. You teach us tough things because you treat us as your children. You chastise us and you rebuke us because you want us to be made partakers of your holiness. You ask us to suffer in our obedience so that we can reign with you one day. Father, let us look at the big picture. Father, let us just embrace the truth. And let us not be like those people who will not obey the truth because they don't love it. And for this cause, you send them a delusion. Father, we want to finish our race. We want to end up as overcomers. We want to be delivered to declare your goodness in our lives. Father, enable us in these last days not to compromise and little, little things. Even if something is hard, but Lord, and tough, enable us to embrace it. Enable us to embrace it because it comes from you. Father, never let us forget that even while we were yet sinners, you died for us. When, you were, when we were your enemies, you came and saved us. When we were without God and without strength, you loved us. And therefore you said, in your word, we love you. Not because we have initiated it. It is because you first loved us and called us your friends. And this evening, Father, I pray, Lord, that we will have an open mind. Open mind. That when we hear the word, we will not fight with it. We might, we might have questions. We might have questions, but Lord, we will not argue. We'll submit. If the word is true, Lord, let it be said like, said about us like the, like the church at Thessalonica, that when they received the word, they did not receive it as the word of man, but as it was in truth, the word of God. And it will have the power to work in us because we believe. Enable us to believe, Lord. We thank you, we praise you. We give you glory, honor and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.